Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Bonjour and welcome to Thanks for the Knowledge, Fanbytes Weekly News Show, rounding up the headlines in games and entertainment in one handy podcast. I'm your host, head of Fanbyte Media, John Warren. Uh, we have a good show for you today. <laughs> it's, it's only good. It's not great. I'm just kidding. It's always great. Uh, Kenneth Shepard, our very own Kenneth Shepard news writer, is stopping by to talk to me about the first five hours of Pokemon Legends Arceus. That's going to be a great talk. You should stick around for that. First, I have to get you caught up with all the top stories from this past week. The fallout from the blockbuster Microsoft Activision Blizzard deal continued this week. Uh, Raven Software was really in the spotlight this week. Uh, the studio is part of that massive, massive acquisition uh, of eight satellite studios that will join Microsoft as part of Activision Blizzard. And the QA folks at Raven Software has been on strike for a very long time and, of course, announced their intention to unionize their QA workers. That's 34 workers within the Raven QA uh, uh, system. Uh, they have announced that they want to unionize. They wanted a voluntary recognition from Raven Software, uh, from Activision Blizzard specifically, and that did not come. They had a deadline this past week to respond to their request to be recognized as a union, and it passed. So what happens next? Well, uh, Raven Software QA workers will have to uh, file for a union election with the National Labor Re Relations Board. Uh, that means that uh, the the there will be an election within Raven Software to vote. And Activision Blizzard has made their intention known that they will make all members of Raven Software, that goes well beyond the 34 QA workers, they will make all members vote in the union election, which of course is a common union busting tactic uh, uh, to get more people that are not involved in the actual struggle of a group of workers to vote on a uh, union issue. So uh, that is one wrinkle here. The other wrinkle is Raven Software has now told the QA workers that they will be broken up into different teams covering uh, engineering, covering art, covering design, covering animation. Uh, they will be split up into groups uh, within those clusters instead of all working together. This is one to, to give a little bit of credit to this idea. It is a common thing to do to have QA workers work more closely with specific teams to address issues as they come up instead of at the end of a certain cycle. However, it is also a very common union busting tactic and also the timing of this could not be worse. So nobody should look at this as a normal thing to do, especially given the circumstances that are going on with Raven Software right now. I would say this is almost certainly a way to basically break these workers up and uh, isolate them uh, while they make this massive, massive decision. 
So, some details from the past week. Uh, let's see. The uh, the union itself is called the Game Workers Alliance, which, of course, does not reference Raven Software or even the specific department that they're in, because their intention is basically so that the union can grow and also absorb other members uh, over time if other groups decide to unionize as well. So, that's like a, a smart thing to do. And I can also share with you uh, what Activision Blizzard actually said in response to the union uh, requesting voluntary recognition. They said, Quote, after carefully reviewing and considering the CWA's initial request of the company, we worked quickly to find a mutually acceptable solution with the CWA that would have led to an expedited election process. Unfortunately, the parties could not reach an agreement. End quote. We expect that the union will soon be moving forward with the filing of a petition to the National Labor Relations Board for an election of eligible Raven employees. If filed, the company will respond formally to that petition promptly. The most important thing to the company is that each eligible employee employee has the opportunity to have their voice heard and their individual vote counted. And we think all employees at Raven should have a say in this decision, end quote. So uh, that that note was actually from Brian Raffle, Raven studio head, but it was echoed by Activision Blizzard as kind of an official uh, uh, company stance. Uh, and so, yes, uh, that detail at the end there, that all eligible employees for Raven should have a say in this decision. Uh, that is a key component to this. It means that they are basically saying, Saying, Raven Software workers outside of the QA department, which is the group trying to unionize, uh, are going to be voicing their opinion in this election as well. So those 34 workers now have to basically organize and work together with the rest of the Raven studio to basically come up with a yes agreement to this election. It's a lot of organization and a lot of work to get uh, that many employees on board with something. Who knows what's going to happen? Maybe that election is a landslide, yes. And then we have another big, big story on our hands with a massive studio uh, unionizing formally for the first time. Uh, this election has not been uh, set as uh, has not been set a date yet. So when we know what that's going to be and what's going to happen with that, we will of course let you know. Uh, that is probably the biggest development in the story of the week. We don't have a whole lot of new information about things like whether games will be exclusive or not exclusive, um, except I do have one note. Uh, Call of Duty uh, will have three more games in its uh, in its uh, franchise line that will also be available for PlayStation because those three games, which are uh, presumably this year's Call of Duty, next year's Call of Duty, and Warzone 2, whatever that looks like, uh, those three games are still under contract with Sony. So Microsoft has always said, hey, we're, gonna, we're going to uh, respect and uh, abide by the contracts that are currently existing. But then after that, I think all bets are off. I think it would be kind of shocking if they did not take at least some aspect of Call of Duty and pull it into the Xbox infrastructure by itself because they've done that with Bethesda. They've done that with other uh, big, big franchises as well that we didn't really expect them to. Uh, but yeah, when you spend that much money, you expect some sort of exclusivity. It seems like after those three Call of Duties in maybe three years time, we might see some stuff gravitate toward Xbox and Xbox alone. So that's that's really the only other major story that has dropped in this story uh, uh, this week. Uh, but speaking of Blizzard, Blizzard has announced that they are making a new survival game that's happening in a brand new universe. So that means it's not happening in World of Warcraft. It's not happening in Starcraft. It's not happening in Overwatch. It's not happening in Diablo. It is basically a brand new survival game. Um, 
So they, uh, the, the really funny thing, part of this announcement is that it was made on Twitter with a giant picture that said unannounced survival game, uh, which led all of us, of course, to laugh about, um, Blizzard not knowing what an announcement means. Anyway, uh, they're going to drive recruitment for this game and hire new folks. Uh, and it should be, I guess, good news for folks that are hoping that Blizzard franchises aren't going, going to just wither up and die with all the turmoil they've been going through. But also, it's a way to get you to not look at the the turmoil that the company is under right now by announcing something new and shiny. It's obviously in a very early state of development because we saw nothing but a piece of concept art. Uh, and obviously, when we know more about this game and more about the actual uh, roles that are opening up for Blizzard folks, uh, we will let you know. Perhaps my favorite thing that happened this week, nay, definitely my favorite thing that happened this week, was the brand new trailer dropping for Stranger of Paradise Final Fantasy Origin. This game has everything. It's got Jack Garland. It's got a, a, an iPhone that plays a Limp Bizkit song. It's got a star-studded tour of the history of the original Final Fantasy canon, which looks super interesting. And this latest trailer uh, shows you what Team Ninja, the folks that made the Neo games, uh, are working on. This, there's a lot of action. There are a lot of cool boss fights. And at the halfway mark, it cuts to a wheat field with Frank Sinatra's My Way playing. And it goes from there. The sheer audacity of this trailer. I invite you all to go watch it right now if you haven't seen it. We talked about it in depth on my Tuesday morning stream, Tuesday morning the show over at twitch.tv slash fanbyte. You can think of that as like a companion stream for this podcast. So if you like this show, you'll like our stream that happens every Tuesday morning. Go check it out. But uh, I, I absolutely am all in on this game. It's totally over the top in a way that lets me know that they mostly understand that, but there's still some excitement knowing that I don't think they totally understand that. It's like a runaway train. They have no idea what they're doing, but they are going full speed ahead, and I I love it. This entire vibe is wonderful, um, and, that, and it comes out, we know now, on March 18th, 2022, so we don't have to wait too terribly long to play this game. It's already on my goatee list. I'm sorry. That's just how it is. <laughs> um, Star Wars. Have you heard of this franchise? It's getting more video games. Three of them, in fact, from the folks that make uh, from the folks over at Respawn, the folks that made Jedi Fallen Order, of course, the folks that made Titanfall, Titanfall 2 and Apex Legends. Uh, their newest games are going to be, of course, a sequel to Jedi Fallen Order, which is totally expected. That game was great, kind of came, I won't say out of nowhere because it's a Star Wars game, but it did come a little bit out of nowhere to uh, capture a lot of people's imaginations in this kind of uh, really different gameplay style that we're used to with the Star Wars series. And uh, yeah, it's a good game. So I'm glad that's getting a sequel. There's also an FPS from the folks that did the original Battlefront in 2004, Hey, Respawn's really good at making FPSs, so this is good news. And also a strategy game from some folks that left Fire Axis, the folks that made XCOM. So three games, three genres, and I'm excited about all three of them. And Respawn has been amazing. EA is obviously giving them a lot of trust and a lot of money, frankly, to make these uh, big, big licensed games. And uh, yeah, uh, a lot of these, especially uh, especially the latter two, are still far out. I think Jedi Fallen Order 2 might still come out this year, maybe early next year. But the FPS in the strategy game, I would not expect until next year at the earliest. Unpacking was an unexpected and popular game that came out last year about 
unpacking boxes and putting stuff away in a room. And it was kind of a chill experience for a lot of people would not be for me because I hate the idea of moving and just the idea of pulling stuff out of boxes or putting stuff in boxes, just dealing with boxes in general. It's just a thing that really stresses me out when I think about it anyway. That's not the point. <laughs> this game is cool, and it appeared on a few Goaty lists this past year uh, from some of our staffers, and it, it got a shameless mobile clone uh, that recently came to everyone's attention. Uh, it was a shameless mobile clone that appeared on both the Apple App Store and Google Play, and an outpouring support for the original unpacking team, of course, uh, would follow. Uh, Apple did take the game off the store. Google Play has not done it yet as of this recording, uh, but yes, uh, and also, like, Apple is supposed to be good at this kind of gatekeeping of bad content. And there's been a rash of this stuff. There's even like a really shameless Fall Guys clone that we just saw uh, on uh, on the store right now. It's called Stumble Guys. I'm not kidding. I don't understand how this stuff gets through. Um, and Stumble Guys, for, for what it's worth, has a ton of microtransactions in it where you have to like buy the ability to grab stuff and buy the ability to punch other players like you can in the actual Fall Guys game. I haven't seen anything about that, but it was brought to my attention by uh, Nikki Grayson. Uh, yeah, anyway, shameless mobile clones are a problem. We've seen it with Wordle. We've seen it with Unpacking. We've seen it with Fall Guys. We've seen it with other stuff too. This is something that I, I hope these storefronts are actually going to start cracking down on before they go live, uh, but I'm not super... Um, Super optimistic about that. Hey, uh, one final thing. I missed it from last week. Uh, one of the very best games of all time, The Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask, is actually coming to the Nintendo Switch online service expansion pack in February. Uh, and that is super exciting. Ocarina of Time is already on that service. And now Majora's Mask, which in my in, in this in this reviewers and this critic's opinion is a much better game than Ocarina of Time. That game is coming to the service for the very first time. It's, I think, the first time you've been able to play it on a Nintendo machine legally in, I don't know, six years or something like that. Um, so I'm excited that it is back, uh, and I will definitely be playing, playing this game. I haven't played it through in a really long time. Majora's Mask is probably my second favorite Legend of Zelda. It was my favorite until, of course, I played Breath of the Wild, best game of all time. But if you haven't played Majora's Mask, it is a dark it is a weird and it is a tricky uh, uh, jaunt through Termina. It's not even set in Hyrule. It's really interesting. I really like Zelda games, especially when they don't actually take place in Hyrule. I think Link's Awakening is one of the best games and Majora's Mask is one of the best as well. Hey, who knows what we get from Breath of the Wild 2? I don't know if that's Hyrule. Maybe it's above Hyrule. Maybe it's somewhere totally different. I don't know. Whatever. Uh, but Point is, Majora's Mask is amazing. You can play it on the expansion pack service next month on Nintendo Switch. Feels like 2022 just started, but already we've had one of our biggest releases of the year in Pokemon Legends. Arceus here to talk to me about the very early part of the game is our very own news writer and a very, very good friend of everyone here at the website. <laughs> it's Ken Shepard. Hi, Ken. Hello. Good morning. How are you? I, I, you were, you know what? I saw your Slack messages and you were up late playing this game. I was. Yeah. I had about five hours of sleep. 
Damn. Uh, this recording, and I put about five hours into Pokemon Legends Arceus. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's that's awesome. Uh, I would definitely want to talk about kind of the early going. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, we won't we won't spoil things here, but I would assume if you don't know some of the the early central conceit of the game and like don't want to know anything about it, even if it's the first like I don't know fifteen minutes. Maybe this conversation's not for you. I've seen some wild conversations about spoilers and reviews this morning. Mm. So, um, yeah, I would just, I would just say, yeah, that as a disclaimer. But we won't get into th- that many things, I don't think. But um, what's, uh, how is it? I know you've been. Well, my dogs are really excited about Pokemon. Mm, mm. You can hear them in the other room. They're going absolutely buck wild. They're like, are there Pokemon in this game? First of all, there. I'll, I'll just take the questions from the dogs. Are there Pokemon in this game? I've seen at least a couple. Okay, that's good. That's good. Yeah. I'm glad that they finally decided to put some pocket monsters in this mm-hmm. game. Yeah, it was um, really weird advertising the, the game as Pokemon when there were just none in them before. There's just absolutely no Pokemon in this video game. Um, no, but seriously, what, what did you expect going into this game? So... I, I guess it's like, what, what did I actually expect and what did it seem like they were kind of portraying it as? Like, sure. And I think there's a lot of people that looked at it it's like, it's green, it's Breath of the Wild. So yeah. I don't think it's that deep and I don't think it really reaches that, you know, that level. But I was more or less expecting kind of more involved iteration of the wild area in Pokemon Sword and Shield. And I kind of feel like so far that's what I've gotten. Okay. Granted, I know that there's going to be like more stuff uh, that you unlock later where you get like Pokemon that you can traverse these areas more mm-hmm. uh, with, which will kind of open up, I think, more of those Breath of the Wild comparisons. Yeah. But uh, right now, it just kind of feels like this giant, you know, area where all there really is to do is catch Pokemon. And the game's early hours are kind of just in that, like, like that, that central conceit of just like catch everything that's out here many times in multiple ways in different scenarios and different circumstances. Um, and is, is that fun? Uh, <laughs> that, I think that that depends on, is that like the part of Pokemon that you come to these games for? Sure. I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm kind of a weirdo outlier that I don't like the actual catching of like large swaths of Pokemon is not usually what draws me to these games. Right. Is, okay. I'm the kind of person that like hones in on the Pokemon that I want and yeah, that's like right now, like I've caught, you know, up to like 20 or so different species, but I only have three on me at any time because like those right. are the ones that I care about. And those, that's the party that I'm creating. And I think that being so baked into like the loop of the game, because like all like the, the actual like side quests and stuff that they actually finally put into these games are usually around like catch this Pokemon in this way, in this, uh, these very specific parameters. And I'm hoping that there's going to be more to the actual sort of like expanded quest lines that they do because that that's fun for a while but that doesn't sound sustainable for like several dozen right. hours yeah so i'm interested at least like that that they are expanding out into th- these different formats of things that you do in these games instead of it simply being get eight badges beat the pokemon league catch all the pokemon right so that in and of itself is interesting to me at least as yeah on paper yeah, I mean, are are you following any sort of like are are because this is this is basically taking the early days of Pokemon catching, correct? Like this mm. is the, the the conceit is, you know, there. I'm gonna I'm gonna make some assumptions here, and you can tell me if they're right or wrong. Uh, are, are there Pokemon gyms at this point? No, this is a, okay. the advent of like this is like the very beginning of like Pokemon 
like the Pokemon world and culture as we know right. it. Like Pokemon capturing is like new. Like yeah. that's a new concept here. Pokeballs like, are like a thing that people have just invented, basically. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so like there's, um, even, some, there's even some interesting stuff where like the game is kind of like interrogating like the ethics of that, which I think is interesting. interesting. Like, you know, some people are like, you know, that aren't necessarily in your group of people are kind of like, hey, that's kind of fucked up that you catch these Pokemon and you trap them in these balls. And yeah, that's interesting to me. Like that's that leans into the things that I find interesting about Pokemon in like the past five or so years. Like, you know, them dealing with like this world is not a monolith of people that are into all of these things that everyone else is doing or that you're like you're required to do in these RPGs. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's interesting because I definitely don't remember seeing those wrinkles in other Pokemon games, especially more recent ones. So that's that's fascinating that they would even mention that. That seems mm-hmm. like a step in an interesting direction. Um, so like, okay, so there are no gems. It's like mm-hmm. not a yeah. Like this is the very beginning of kind of the the humankind. Uh, d- I, I I shudder to use this word in a way, but domestication of Pokemon. Mm. Um, yeah. And so, like, the loops that you might be familiar with aren't necessarily expressed in the same way, but it sounds like they're still there, you know, in very familiar ways. Um, I'm... So you've played for five hours. I'm a little surprised that they haven't introduced the mechanics of their Pokemon that you can ride and, mm. you know, do stuff with the traverse this environment because that feels pretty central to the marketing that they've done. Yeah. Um, do you get a sense that, like, it, how open is the world immediately? Uh, and, and when you first get out into, like, the, uh, the wild areas, you are walled off for a bit just to, like, learn the ropes of how catching is different in these games and gotcha. you have to like, you know, report back to your professor, like, Oh, I found these three Pokemon that you asked me to find. And then things start to like slowly open up more like, you know, like a bridge opens up. So you go to the other side of this area or, um, so like, I haven't really gotten to a point where I feel like I, I necessarily need those Pokemon to traverse the area. Cause like it's, it has not been a large area that I've explored so far. Um, right. crucially though, and I, this is crucial to my, the context of my playtime. I did spend about an hour trying to find a Pichu. Because okay, sure. <laughs> for those that don't know, like Pikachu's <laughs> line is often like near the beginning of the game, but it's rare. And so they do like they do like they did in the wild area in Sword and Shield, or I mean just again broadly with it. You see Pokemon in the overworld before you have to fight them. And so I stumbled upon a Pichu, and then once I accidentally killed it in one hit, I spent an entire hour looking for him again. And so that is like I, I guess like twenty percent of my playtime has been looking for that motherfucker. So that's you know, crucial it will probably not take you five hours to get at least like one of the Pokemon that helps you get around quicker. Cause I know based on talking to people, I am like a story scene away from unlocking the first one. Um, okay. But I know that like, because I, I mean, full disclosure, I've like looked at the leaks and I know a lot of sure. things that are coming up. And I think there are going to be traversal Pokemon that aren't going to really be necessary until probably other maps. Cause like the one that, I'm, the gotcha. one that I'm in right now is just fairly pretty box standard. Yeah. mountains um where as i as i understand it as you go further there will be other pokemon that you can use to traverse around and then there will be other pokemon that you can catch in those areas that you can finally access yeah in in the marketing materials and trailers and stuff they they tried to uh frame some gameplay elements like stealth and kind of like hiding in bushes to throw a pokeball mm-hmm. out is kind of crucial to the the the, the loop it, uh, is that 
kind of a game-changing set of mechanics, or is that fairly shallow? Uh, I think in some ways, like when it comes to like the more standard, uh, like you know, weak Pokemon that you'll find like in, in this early area, it's not really essential. It's more something that like as you're filling out the Pokedex, you have to catch multiple Pokemon. Like I said, in, under different parameters, and sometimes if you want to. Uh, get this new entry in the Pokedex, you have to catch this Pokemon without being seen. And gotcha. in that way, it's, you know, that's fine. It's whatever. It's just like a, I have to crouch before I walk up to somebody and throw a Pokeball at it. Where yeah. I think it actually comes better into play is with these alpha Pokemon, which are these more powerful, you know, like clearly like you're not meant to fight them as soon as you get there. Cause like, I like, there'll be these higher level uh, Pokemon or they'll just be like higher level in terms of like an evolutionary stage of like, like something you've seen, you know, the, uh, earlier forms of and able to really handle whereas you'll see these things like 20 levels ahead and its eyes are glowing red and it's very aggressive and <laughs> you have to hide as you're trying to just like get around without being attacked because like they you the interesting thing that they do with that is like they will attack you the trainer if you don't have a pokemon out and if you get attacked enough then you'll get like you'll get sent back to the home base and have to start over wherever you were um, mm. those encounters feel more interesting to me in terms okay. of just, like, this state of danger in the world, because I think, like, the game kind of, like, goes out of its way to, like, really express to you, like, this is an untamed world that is very dangerous, and, you know, they don't, like, they don't portray that in a gruesome way, but, like, they do at least communicate to you through, like, you know, dialogue, through, like, the, like characters saying things to you, like, you need to understand that, like, it is dangerous out there in a way that is, that goes beyond don't go into tall grass, like, how it has been in most games. And gotcha. like I had like this one instance where I was looking around for, you know, a certain Pokemon and I came across this group of Beautifly that were like double the level of anything I had. And so like I when they like caught on to that, I was there. I ran away because like, I was like, I can't fight them. And because I wasn't paying attention, I ran into a much more powerful alpha Pokemon that nearly whooped my ass. And <laughs> I just you have to be like more cognizant of these things. And I think that's where the stealth comes in better and just is more interesting because like, it is like there's an awareness that you have to have when you're navigating yeah. this world that you just never have had to have before. Which, which that makes sense because I mean, they're trying to kind of give more of a sense of like, okay, well these, this is a time where Pokemon are wild. Like mm -hmm. this is a time where we're not interacting with them. So there is this kind of inherent danger there, which like that, that's cool. I like that. Mm -hmm. um, I think the, I, I, well, I'll start with this question and get, then get to some, some, I think tougher ones, but uh, you, you've said you've, you've captured what 20 ish, Mm -hmm. different species how are the hisui region designs uh holding up do you think they're pretty cool so i actually haven't as of this point found any uh hisui variants hisui I, specifics okay yeah um i but i've seen them all uh they're hit and miss to me like i like the, the, the sort of uh period that a lot of them seem to be evocative of right um I haven't really seen any that like appeal to me as like something that like, I'm like, oh, I want that. That is going to be in my party. Yeah. I have seen some, which, and I won't get into more, that are like straight up some of the most horrendous designs of a Pokemon I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and one of which is going to be my sleep paralysis demon for like the next 20 years. Um, but they, you know, they're, they're kind of hit and miss, but I think that's kind of just generally how Pokemon are yeah. broadly. Like, you know, you'll get to a new generation and some will really resonate with you. Some will just going to be like, this is hideous, get out of my face. Yeah, um, yeah, and I think there aren't a there aren't a ton of new Pokemon. And I think that might be a disappointment to some people, but I think in terms of what this game's place is in the universe, I think it just makes sense that there wouldn't be a lot new that we haven't seen before. And anything that you do see that is new or different kind of comes with this like lingering cloud over it. This thing is extinct in modern day, so uh -huh. 
that's like sad to think about and also like don't get too attached to names because I, I would be very surprised if we see a lot of Hasuian variants in further in the games. future although, like, yeah, that yeah makes although sense. they've done you know weird things like contrivances to make that work before so right. they might still yeah no, that makes sense um all right I, so i think i think the tough question for me is who who has this is very specific to me but i know there are other people out there like this i think i think paul's kind of like this too and correct me if i'm wrong but I have purchased, I believe, the last before before Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl. I think I've purchased the last three Pokemon games in a row, mm. and I'm like, I I I I have friends I adore that love Pokemon, and I'm like, I like I'm like I I I have to love this game, and there's no reason <laughs> why I don't love this game. And because I'm like the the character designs are adorable that, you know, that the, the turn based combat is something that appeals to me. Like there's a lot going mm. for it just as but I have bounced so hard off of these games. Mm. And when Arceus was first kind of shown, I was like, well, it seems like they're doing a lot of stuff differently, at least mm. with the marketing material. And I'm wondering, does it do and it's tough for you to answer this because you're an entrenched Pokemon fan, but do you think it does enough to get new players in? Um, that is a very broad question. Like, if I mean, we'll, we'll start with you specifically, do you have like something that you can identify as like why you don't gel with these games? Um, nothing happens, Ken. Mm. Nothing happens in these mm. games. You um, yeah. You go out into a field and you throw a ball at a critter and you might catch it. And then um, uh, for me, who didn't grow up playing these games, a lot of the mechanics are pretty obfuscated for me. And mm. so I'm like, okay, if I get like, there's something that happens in uh, when like experts play Pokemon and I'll watch like a live, like a, a stream or a speed run or something and they'll catch a Pokemon and right away they'll be like, oh, fuck, I got to Oh, I got a, mm-hmm. I got a male uh, Rattatat or whatever. Mm. It's like, ah, oh, shit. Like, I'm like, what does that mean? What is that? Oh, it doesn't even have bite or whatever the fuck. Like, I don't know. Like, there are things that there, there are so many layers of how Pokemon works, even though it is a relatively simple game. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are so many layers of this game that seems so odd to me and like foreign that I, I then go, well, where is the depth? Where is the interesting interaction here? And it might mm-hmm. just simply be you vibe with Pokemon. Do you vibe yeah. with Pokemon? And it's like, maybe I don't, maybe that's, mm. maybe that's just it. Maybe I think I should. And I love these character designs and it seems like a cool thing to do. Like when, uh, when let's go, uh, uh, Pikachu and let's go Eevee came out. I was like, oh, I get to fucking like run around with my little Pokemon and like put little clothes on them and tickle their chins and stuff. Like that seems dope. Like, mm. I, yeah, let's do that. And it just, none of that stuff was, meaningful enough to me to counterbalance the fact that to me nothing happens in these games mm-hmm. and so, that's that's kind of it yeah i i mean I'll, I'll be totally upfront with you a lot of the reasons that like the most nerdy insufferable people like pokemon is generally <laughs> not what i go to these games for and i think yeah that, that was something that i identified because like there was like a, a period i think like generation five to seven where Pokemon was just not this, like, central part of my life. Yeah. And it was... Because for me, like, the competitive battling of Pokemon and, like, the gyms and all that fun shit, 
mm-hmm. is the least interesting thing to me about this franchise. And for me, it largely came down to, surprisingly enough, Detective Pikachu, the game, not the movie, although I do like the movie, but was the thing yeah. that kind of like reawakened my love of, the, of this series because like it was a it sat with like the world in a way that the, the RPGs don't because like it's so heavily like entrenched in the competitive sport of it all and whereas Jeff Pikachu was about like how do Pokemon and humans coexist in a place where that is not the norm like where right you know trying to you know get your eight badges and be a, the Pokemon master is not what people care about like and I think that was something that like I I almost like divvy up my time as a, as a Pokemon fan into like three different points in my life, which was like when I was a kid and like just all of it, like uncritically just like loved all of it when I was yeah. like, a teenager. And I was like getting like more interest in like fandom in a way. And like do, even like doing like these uh, group, like original Pokemon stories, like, you know, delving into the lore in a way that was more interesting. And I think like when I became an adult, like there was that gap of like, generation five through six where i just kind of or five through seven where i mean i was playing these game, those games but I, I was just not invested in the same way sure when i became an adult i would i more realized that it was about the world and that like finding my place in it and i think when you are catching hundreds of pokemon at a time and like you're not really getting invested in any of them you're trying to complete a pokedex right it's never going to have that same sort of like emotional investment that you had as a kid. And so sure. like, that was the point where I was like, okay, I'm going to like stop getting invested in all the bullshit that everyone else tells me the Pokemon is about the people that people get mad about on the internet when people don't engage with Pokemon in this way. And just like focus on the Pokemon that I want to play with and like, the Pokemon that I care about. And like, almost it's like Pokemon is like the one series I think that my imagination goes the most wild with in terms of like me projecting like, sure. things onto the characters and the Pokemon that I catch. And that's why like I, yeah, that's a lot of fun. And, you know, separating from myself from what I think the games... Well, I don't even know if it's, I would necessarily say what the games uh, kind of portray, but just, like, what the community around, like, the competitive side of it tends to project onto it. Um, because, like, I, I am just, like, a, a sicko for, like, the world of Pokemon more than I am anything sure. else. And in that way, I think Arceus is very interesting because, like, it is, you know, completely removed from all of those competitive sides of... Pokemon, like, it's not even, like, you can't even battle each other. Like, there's no multiplayer in terms of anything mm-hmm. competitive. Like, you can only trade. Um, so, like, that is enticing to me as, like, if this is going to be, like, a story-driven Pokemon game, that is interesting right. to me. And yeah. I think, I mean, like, I'm not sure what a lot of the payoff is, because, like, I mean, I'm already a little off-put by the way this game opens in a way that, like, we don't we don't have to talk about it here, because, like, you know, it's, that's it gets, still gets a little spoiler spoiler stuff, yeah. Um, but that, like... If you are interested in Pokemon as a world and want to see maybe, you know, how things came to be, like, and I, I, this is all assuming that Arceus is going to have, like, proper payoff on a lot of these things, because, like, there are hints towards things that are going to happen in the future and, like, characters that are in the future, because, like, you're playing, you know, a, a historical version of the center region, and, like, there are characters that clearly look like people from Diamond and Pearl, sure. and, you know, there's the assumption that there's going to be, like, you know, reveals at some point that's going to actually get into how, you know, his the Hisui region became the center region and right. That's interesting. And I, but I also know that that comes from me having like 25, almost 26 years of investment in the series and the like being interested in wanting to see that. And yeah. So I don't know that Arceus is going to, if like, 
if you did not jive with like you know the more standard Pokemon RPGs, I don't know if it's going to really be anything that's going to drag you in. But I do think, for whatever it's worth, and to like Game Freak's credit, it does seem to have some desire to break away from a lot of the things that they've been putting out, like these fucking annual releases of these games. Yeah. Like they that they wanted to try something new, both in terms of you know uh, structurally, in terms of you know having these more open areas and like doing like these uh, different changes to the battle system of like these agile and strong style to like change up you know, your strategies in some ways in ways that are like more i think geared towards a more single player experience sure um because i think like a lot of the issues that some people will probably like you know it's a totally valid thing to have with the mainline games is that those turn-based battle systems are very simple and at least like in as much as the main game ever challenges you like if you want to be you know a competitive sicko that really gets into the meta stuff then you know you you can find the depth in there but um, I think the mainline Pokemon games can only give you this specific experience because they're, they're working in systems that have to be modular. They have to be... Right. They, they can't like have you know, this really deep turn-based battle system that requires you to like really learn strategies and like learn how to deal with different things when really it just has to boil down to like paper, rock, scissors, and elemental right. weaknesses and affinities. Yeah. Um, so... It's at least trying something new. I don't know if it's going to try things new in the way that would bring any person that has been a naysayer or just hasn't or just hasn't jived with Pokemon. Before. Yeah, yeah. I I am I'm just I'm on the fence again. I mean, you know, I I woke up this morning. It's like people were tweeting about it. Like people seem pretty excited about it, and um, and I'm just like, you know, I like again. There are so many things that I feel like. I like about the idea of Pokemon and then mm. the execution lets me, lets me down. And I think mm. s- my, my assumption is that so much of it is tied to nostalgia. Like it's mm. not just, it's not just, I, I don't mean that in like a, well, you just like this as a kid. So that's why you like it is. I, I just mean those systems were ingrained in people at a young age. And mm. so they are familiar and, and they make sense. Right. And so right. I think, I think like, I've been waiting for them to treat something like a good entry point. And right. in my head, I'm like, well, Arceus is taking you back. So maybe that is a good entry point. And it sounds like maybe, maybe it is. Um, but right. it's also, yeah, it's like, I'm realizing that I either think I want, I either want a quick path to extremely complicated mechanics and kind of that sicko mode stuff you were talking about, or the total opposite where it's just like, yep, I'm catching Pokemon and I'm vibing. And Mm. we, and we opened a a bed and breakfast in the Pokemon run a bed and breakfast. Like, Mm. that's what I want. You know, it's like, I, I don't know. That seems fun and cute and sweet to me, but the friction of everything else kind of always kind of pulls me back. So I'm, yeah. I'm I'm just eternally curious about like if one of these games is gonna grab me and I'm I you know like I've yeah. I've pretty pretty much convinced myself I'm going to give this one a shot because I skipped I skipped Diamond and Pearl and I don't feel I don't feel as recently burnt by the series so I'm like okay well maybe I'll give it a shot mm. I don't know I think I I think again based on the first five hours and just my understanding of how this game functions I think this is probably like kind of like a hail mary for some people like for, to this like if you were not brought in by the more competitive skewed version of these games i think this is the more you know, the, the story driven one the single player kind of focused one and so like i think 
if you're looking for a Pokemon RPG that is going to at least be different enough to possibly have a shot, I think this is probably it. Um, but I would be like, I, but I also think like if, if this one doesn't grab you, I don't think anything will. Yeah. At least yeah. in that format of an RPG that is, you know, that, that, that makes things. sense. That makes sense. Um, well, cool. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm I'm stumped uh, about this game. Uh, I guess I'll ask one more question. Um, how does this game uh, perform on the old Nintendo Switch? So I um before like an hour ago, I had been playing entirely on handheld mode, and it was fine. Like it was, you know, it didn't look offensive to my eyes. Yeah. Um. I I know through seeing screenshots of other areas in this game that it's going to get offensive to my eyes because this game. <laughs> Uh, there are some ugly ass screenshots of this game out there, and yeah. like indefensibly so. Um, yeah. But what I ended up doing about an hour ago was I was talking to some other people that had been playing it docked, and I I generally don't play my Switch docked at all. So like I was like, right. oh, you know, okay, this is something I'm probably not going to see in any other context than right now. Me like trying to see what it looks like, and it sure. looks demonstrably worse. It runs worse. Um, which, wow. Based on my understanding of how the, the switch as a device works, I thought that would have been switched. Yeah, flipped. Um, yeah, but yeah, I was also, and this was notable as well. I was playing it on a 720 uh, TV because I got, I got the small one on my desk that I yeah. If I ever put my switch on a TV, that's what I put it on. And I know some people that played it on monitors that were like 1080p or 4K, and I was like, I feel like if you're upscaling it, it's going to look even worse. Yeah. If you were like playing it on a, a screen, it was clearly never meant to be on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like this first area isn't like, a, again, it's, it's not egregiously ugly to me. Um, but yeah. the game like is just like, I, I've seen defenses like, you know, the art direction of it is what makes like, it. It's fucking, it's, it's a green open world. Yeah, it, I, there's I, like, I don't, I don't, I don't think it has a lot of direction. You're, and that's not, that's not just, cause like, I mean, sword and shield had, you know, it wasn't like the, the greatest looking game, but like there was actual like really tangible art direction. To yeah, a lot I, of areas I had some and, character like that. Those areas yeah. and those towns and stuff had like a, a character to them. They did. Yeah. yeah. And meanwhile, a lot of this is just it's it's green. That's that's what this, this game is. And yeah, I don't know. Like it's I I think it, I don't remember who was. I, I apologize to everyone who tweeted, but they were tweeting that like somebody had commented on like an article like since when is Pokemon a triple A game or something like or like has like the production quality <laughs> of a triple A game. I was like. This is like one of those fucking profitable properties on planet Earth. Like, yeah. what are you talking about? Like, Game Freak yeah. has the money to make a game that looks better than this, at least. And I don't yeah. know, like, from a technical perspective, like, Pokemon games have never been, you know, earth shattering. No, and, sure. But I also, like, I, I think just as time has gone on, like, and as technology has kind of, like, barreled ahead of what these games ever show you, I, I just... Yeah. I don't know. Like, I... It's I don't like I don't want to get like on my soapbox like it's indefensible, but like right I know you don't need to defend the Pokemon company. No, no. I mean, this is just a cons- this is just a uh, a sacrifice that they've just decided to make and then just yeah. not uh, not address, which is like whatever. It's fine. Like that's that's their thing. But it does seem odd to me that I, I mean, again, this comparison is tired and it's annoying and people will shout at me about this, but breath of the wild came out five years ago. Mm-hmm. That was a Wii U game. Yep. Um, and did it run perfectly? No, but like it, I, I don't know to, to me, it's like that the art direction and the, 
AAA thing. This game doesn't have to look like Breath of the Wild. I want to be clear about that. But like, I I think it, it is just strange. We talked about it a lot on 99 Potions this past week. So mm. if folks at home want to listen to that episode, they can. Um, and we tried, we tried to stay relatively positive about it. Although I do think it is... I do think it it's just it's just strange. That mm. I think that's more of it than anything is it is strange that more resources are not put into these games looking and and maybe more importantly performing better. Mm-hmm. Um there's a lot of texture pop in that I've I've heard about yeah. um and I've seen on some playthroughs and stuff. So it's just one of those things that um surprises me to see in 2022 on a Switch game, but um but yeah, I, as I've as I've been told about twenty eight thousand times on Twitter since I tweeted about it, uh, this is not what people go to Pokemon for. And I'm like, okay, like that's fine. I I just this sit here a- going, it, I know, I, I know. Like we can examine that response, but also <laughs> like uh, for a new player, like do do Pokemon people not want new player people to play these games? Because like I'll tell you what, if you tell me that this game is just going to look and run like shit, but, but, but that's not what anyone goes to Pokemon for. I'm like, okay, well I might need something more than that. Honestly, like I need yeah. something else. I also think it's weird. Cause like, I don't, I'm not a graphics not by any, by any stretch. Like, no, I, that's same. Just, like, I also don't think that like, you can just throw any criticism under the bus because people quote unquote, don't go to something for something because like, right. I, I don't want a Pokemon game that, looks ugly like that like i do like <laughs> right. i don't know like it's that's weird like it looks like a fucking gamecube game like i i'm yeah. sorry like I don't, yeah like, yeah yeah i mean i i agree with you like if some if, if someone was like hey i'm firing up dolphin to play pokemon arceus <laughs> i'd be like all right yeah that sounds about right um yeah it'll be interesting to see because we we've seen people with uh switch emulation and stuff do some interesting stuff with Breath of the Wild with textures and 4K mm. and stuff, and I'm like, well, maybe we'll, maybe we'll get some sort of high end uh, wizardry with the, with emulation. But uh, I don't know. It's just, um, it's just one of those things that that bothers me, and it clearly doesn't bother the core demographic of this game. And um, and I don't know. I I guess I just need to get over it. <laughs> I guess. Um, but th- this game is super interesting to me. Your your input's been super helpful to try to figure out like, okay, should I just should I just drop sixty on this thing and and play it over the weekend and see how I feel? And I'm leaning toward yes because I like colorful, colorful worlds. I love these you know these little I love these little guys running around. Mm. Um, and I, I may give it a shot. We'll see. I think if nothing else, it can be like the last ditch effort, and then right. maybe you'll maybe you'll know for sure. Maybe if I'll this know is for you or not. That's true. Yeah, because I I think you mentioned uh, Detective Pikachu earlier, the the game specifically. Mm-hmm. But w- when I saw the movie, as someone that's not a a, a Pokemon diehard, I sat and then I I sat down to watch that, and I I I enjoyed every moment of that movie because it was just like yeah, this this is kind of the this is kind of the vibe, right? Like right. I, I like these little guys living in this world and yeah. Like, and, imagine what and, this world looks like when it's not about competitive sport. Yeah. Kind of. And, acti- and right? actively condemns it. Like, right. Yeah. Like I, I would be really interested in a, in a version of this game that involves kind of like environmental puzzle solving with Pokemon and like, yeah. you know, doing, and, doing stuff that isn't just the, the grindy kind of yeah. mechanics that this game is known for. 
and and that's what the original game was. It was it was an adventure game that you yeah you, know, you solved mysteries with, and like you know, it's not super complex by any chance or by any stretch, but um, it was at least interesting. Like in in terms of the vision of this world and like what these characters' relationships to each other can be, instead of it being, yeah. hey, I throw you out of a ball and then you beat each other up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's yep. it. Um, all right, kid. Well, I appreciate you spending uh, many hours in the wee hours to catch up with this game in order to talk to me about it this morning. So I yeah, appreciate no it. Uh, all right. Thanks for stopping by. Yeah, thanks for having me. Let's get you prepped for what's coming out next week. Not a ton in terms of volume, but a couple of titles you might be looking forward to. On February 1st, we have the Life is Strange Remastered Collection coming to PlayStation 5, Xbox Series X and S, Xbox One, PlayStation 4, Google Stadia, if that's your thing, and PC. Uh, if you recall, the Nintendo Switch version has been delayed and without actually a new date yet. So when we know that date, I'll of course let you know. Uh, the Waylanders is a PC game in the vein of like a Dragon Age. I've actually got my hands on this one and uh, it's kind of interesting. Uh, I, we'll probably talk about it on uh, this upcoming week's 99 Potions, uh, but it's coming to PC on February 2nd. Sherlock Holmes Crimes and Punishment will be coming to the Nintendo Switch on February 3rd. And maybe the week's biggest release is Dying Light to Stay Human coming to PlayStation 5, PlayStation 4, Xbox Series X, an S and Xbox One, as well as PC on February 4th. We will have a ton of information about that. We'll have a first bite. We'll have, I think, a review podcast. We'll have a review on the site. We'll have a ton of guides. So if you are interested in Dying Light to stay human, we have got you covered from pillar to post. Uh, and you can parkour to your heart's content in that game. Um, <clears throat> in terms of what is coming to Xbox Game Pass, in February. We don't actually know a ton yet. We do know two games, Dreamscaper and Besiege Console are coming to February uh, coming to Xbox Game Pass on February 3rd and February 10th respectively. This time next week we'll have a full view of what's coming to Xbox Game Pass, but we also know what's coming to games with gold. Uh those are of course uh games that are free if you are subscribed to uh Xbox Live Gold or Xbox Game Pass Ultimate. Uh those games are as follows: Broken Sword 5, uh Aerial Knights Never Yield, Hydrophobia, and Band of Bugs. Yep, sorry. I I Broken Sword 5? There are five of those? I've never heard of this series. Maybe I'm not a very good games journalist. Uh, Band of Bugs, no idea. Aerial Knights, never yield, no idea. Hydrophobia, I remember, and it's kind of interesting. But those are four games you can just get for free and 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 have them. So that's that's cool. Uh, in terms of PS Plus, we do actually know what is coming to PS Plus for February. One is EA Sports' UFC 4, which is an MMA game. So if you like MMA and have never checked out one of those UFC games, uh, you can grab it uh, for free if you're subscribed to PlayStation Plus. Uh, the uh, Tiny Tina's Assault on Dragon Keep, a Wonderland's one-shot adventure, uh, was a 2013 game, kind of a one-off for uh, Borderlands fans, uh, you, you can check out uh, for free this uh, this upcoming month. And also Planet Coaster Console Edition. If you're into roller coasters, 
and Planet Coaster is a truly wild experience. Basically, no limit to the wild stuff that you can do in Planet Coaster. So if you're interested in, uh, I don't know, making a bunch of little guys fly off of a roller coaster or whatever, uh, that is a fun one to probably pick up. Uh, that is it for this upcoming week. Not a ton in terms of volume, like I said, but uh, a couple couple big games that you might want to keep your eye on. Uh, so yeah, and you know what? You've already got Pokemon Legends Arceus. That's out. If you're, if you're dealing with that, you don't care what's coming out next week. You're set. That is going to do it for this week's episode. I want to thank my guest, Kenneth Shepard, again, for talking to me about Pokemon Legends Arceus. That was a great conversation. If you want to find Kenneth online, you can find him over on Twitter at shepherd cdr that is shepherd s-h-e-p-a-r-d-c-d-r uh you can also find his wonderful writing over at fanbyte.com uh, and you can also listen to his excellent podcast norman dfm wherever you get your podcasts and that's a great podcast they do deep dives into rpgs into other other very narrative based video games they just got done with final fantasy 10 and 10 2 which is a lot of fun they're going to start on a cyberpunk 2077 project at some point which i think is going to be super interesting uh and yeah you should definitely go listen to uh that podcast it's great hey if you want to follow my producer paul tamayo you can do so over at polymayo uh thank you so much to paul for all the work you do on this podcast and all the other ones on the podcast network you, you can find all of our podcasts at podcastnet.work you can find me John Warren at Floppy Adult on Twitter, if you wish. And you can find Fanbyte at Fanbyte Media. Uh, we uh, do stream a lot over at twitch.tv slash fanbyte. You should check out our schedule. We post it on our social media as well as uh, our website. So yeah, we do a lot of streaming there. It's a lot of fun. Uh, we've been doing some new, new stuff there and we've got some new stuff coming that I don't think you're gonna wanna miss. Uh, all right, folks, until next week, you're welcome.